everyone, I'm Brian Reynolds, the Chancellor with the Archdiocese of Louisville. Welcome to our podcast series, What's New in Arch Lou. This show highlights the people and ministries of the Archdiocese of Louisville, the Catholic Church in Central Kentucky. Join us each month as we welcome new guests to discuss what's new in the Archdiocese and invite you to get involved in the people, events, and activities of our local church. Deepen your engagement with your own Catholic faith. This program is brought to you by the Arch Lou Podcasts Network. Today, we have a really exciting show. We have a special guest, Father Dustin Hungerford, a newly ordained priest in the for the Archdiocese of Louisville. In fact, our newest ordained priest for the Archdiocese. Father Dustin was ordained by Archbishop Shelton Fobb last May and is now serving as associate pastor of both St. Margaret Mary and St. William Parishes. So welcome, Father Dustin. Thank you, Dr. Reynolds. It's good to be here. I just want to point out I am the newest, but not the youngest, priest in the diocese. I say that for my brother priests that, uh, <laughs> okay. that, that count. We, we, we'll steer away from the age question then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Father Dustin, we invited you uh, for this show for lots of reasons, but in particular, as one of our new priests, to talk about priesthood, during, especially during this month, uh, <clears throat> which we observe Vocations Awareness Month. Before we get into those questions I'm going to ask you about priesthood, I want to ask you to briefly introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, so my name is Father Dustin Hungerford. I'm a son of the south end of Louisville from PRP. I, uh, I went to public school, actually, uh, before uh, about K-8. to But uh, in high school, I went to the preeminent boys' school in the city, DeSales High School, Go Colts. Um, I spent four wonderful years there, sort of really busting out of my shell, making wonderful friends, forming relationships that mattered. Um, uh, went from there to Bellarmine, <clears throat> did four years at Bellarmine. Uh, then I taught uh, after that for five years, uh, at um, a couple of them, at, at one at Mercy, three at Sacred Heart, and uh, one at Holy Cross. I loved teaching. Uh, during that time, uh, I was fi- trying to figure out my vocation uh, and so I went for a period and um, tested religious life out. I was a Carmelite brother for about a year and a half and decided I liked the vocation, but not not community life. Okay. And so I came back into the into the diocesan program, and here I am. Very good. So. That's a, uh, thanks for that story. T- tell us what, you know, uh, I know everybody has their own vocation story, but what was it about priesthood that <coughs> attracted you? You know, I... When I was a kid, I would have said it was the free house and probably, you know, the the, you know, the Sunday only job would have been the would have. Been. But we're uh, going to ask you about that in a few minutes. Yes, uh, but uh, I think I think as I have grown, um, it's a life dedicated to something bigger, something that uh, maybe I don't have control over, something that matters that will endure after my little blip is done. Uh, something to that, and an identity, a place of of belonging, a place of living out something that's worth doing. Good. Yeah. Uh, are there, were there people who helped you come to that? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, as I think we would hear from most of us, uh, a priest in our childhood said something or had uh-huh. some kind of impact. For me, uh, it was uh, Father Bill Burke's Okay. Uh, who is the energizer bunny of our presbyterate. He sure. never stops. He goes and goes and goes. But I'll tell you what, what the trick was, was 
he's always joyful. Mm-hmm. Like even on bad days, like even when you can tell maybe he's not so happy or which is very rare because he's always bubbly. But even when it's serious, there's a joy that kind of like radiates off and you can tell that he doesn't really look for awards or anything. He he is content with giving his little bit for tending his part of the vineyard and that fills him with happiness and joy and that was so attractive to me um that it, that I I would say if I look back that's what that's the initial sort of attraction like what what is it about this life that makes you live like that you're 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 great to honor father bill who's the pastor of St. Lawrence and chaplain at Holy Cross High School yes. so very good listen um uh was there's lots of stories uh, lots of even research about when vocation to priesthood <clears throat> gets initially stirred up so was because it was uh, connection with him was it in high school before that no it was second grade second really <clears throat> yeah and which is funny because father uh bill hammer who is my pastor also uh had that experience in second grade but i can tell you exactly when it happened if you want to please yeah, okay that's great. Uh, so uh i was at daycare of all things and they uh gave us these little sheets of paper to draw yourself you know when you're an adult Okay. And I drew myself as a priest, largely in the mold of Father Bill, uh, though I drew myself as taller. <laughs> uh, but um, but it was back then that I had first started thinking about, yeah, that's something I could do. Mm-hmm. And I remember even in um, <clears throat> even in in uh, I would say grade school, like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was already talking about. I think that's what I want to do. Like it's a, you know, I didn't understand the full impact of, of that back then, but the seed had already been planted. It was already growing. But way back in second grade, I played mass on my grandmother's fake fireplace that was in the living room. I'd clear the whole top off and I would, I would have a little, um, thing, uh, with our, it wasn't wonder bread. It was the one that came in the yellow bag, whatever that is, uh, butter nut or whatever, but, uh, that, and, uh, a little thing of like, uh, ginger ale or grape juice, in my grandmother's, uh, you know, 70s goblets, and uh, I would play mass. I threw my grandfather's serapi on for, that he got on a trip to Mexico. So it was very, it was very, um, uh, it was, it was, it was rubrical, Archbishop. It was very rubrical. I followed all the rubrics, uh, but uh, uh, I would say back then, and my family encouraged. I was going to ask yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so family, family also nurtured that. At the time? Yeah. I, I think um, it was it was never so. Just when I suggested it, the response was, "If that's what you want to do, that's good. We're going to pray for that." Great. Um, and I think that's an important piece. You know, a lot of guys uh, think about it, um, and they realize it's not their vocation, and they become they get married, and they have wonderful fathers. But they thought about it. My guess is, in some sense, um, especially if they tried to go to seminary because their family was a supportive sort of mechanism underneath. It says, if this is what you're called to, we're going to support that. Very good. Uh, um, I want to talk about what has happened now in your first six months. Before the, d- d- does, your, does your family have a copy of the picture of you doing that mass with that Serapi? No, God, no. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay, because I was going to ask for a copy. I, you would be good, too. <laughs> I, I don't know. Now, maybe Grandma snapped one, but I don't, I don't know. I just remember, and I would give communion. I'd tear the thing apart, and i give communion to the teddy bears. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, um, But <clears throat> the first six months, you know, it's been... It's it's a busy life, yeah. um, and that's a good thing. Like I, 
I have, and I really don't use this word lightly. I have joy every day. I have frustrations. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, things don't always go. I mess up at least once a mass, like, and people don't always know, but I know, and it bothers me. Uh, so you're like trying, you're like, oh God, I gotta get, okay, I messed that up. All right. Um, but they're so forgiving. Uh, and uh, if you just smile and sort of nod, they go, oh, he's new. Uh, but um, I've had some of the most profound experiences already. Um, I have a, I have a number of ministries that I sort of got my fingers in, and I'm, I'm able to do that because, um, Father, I, you know, I'm one of two priests. Sure. And so Father Bill and I carve out enough space to do the kind of our, our, what we do for the parish, but also some stuff on the side that uh, we like. Uh, I know Father Bill, for example, does um, a mass, uh, a special disciples mass, uh, which is low impact, uh, really focused on on kids that, um, for one reason or another, can't take the high impact of the organ or the piano. And so it's a special ministry for him. So for me, high school ministry <clears throat> is really important. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. You, I understand you've been helping out in um, uh, a couple of the high schools. Yeah. Um, so Since you taught in three of them. I did. I, I had to get the other ones under okay. the so now, So tell us about so, your high school work now. I... Um, at the beginning of the year, I took a I took a job I took the position as chaplain at Assumption High School, uh, which made my former Sacred Heart students not so happy. Uh, <laughs> but um, I I've, I've been having a ball there. It's a great school. It's a great staff. Uh, but really, the girls make it. Um, we've had several masses. We've got a couple more coming up. Um, I'm actually uh, going in uh, Wednesday. I'm going to talk to a couple of the senior classes about I think confession. I probably should double check that just before I get it. But uh, um, so they have been so open and so welcoming about about having a priest involved, um, and that ministry is is really really important to me. I, I'm convinced after my teaching stint that freshman sophomore year especially are are key years now for the sort of planting and growth of faith. Um, but on the second piece of that is my alma mater, DeSales High School. Go Colts. Uh, Go Colts uh, has also asked me to do a couple masses, and, and uh, I've done those, and I uh, was able to move some things around, and I've actually been able to pick up the rest of theirs. So I think I'm kind of also chaplain there, too, though I don't, I don't have the little ta- name tag yet, but I think so. Uh, so it's great for me in that sense to be back home. I, I can't say enough about how our schools um, grow relationships and ground us and especially our high schools, the boys' high schools, you know, whether it's uh, DeSales or St. X or Trinity, that they become these sort of crucibles for forming good relationships, for uh, instilling values of faith, hope, charity, um, and making young men that will be good priests, good fathers, uh, good members of the faith. And I, the same the same for the girls' schools as well. But to be back in the place where I feel like gave that gift to me uh, and be able to give back matters a great deal to me. That's uh, that's wonderful. That's great generosity <clears throat> of your time. But I know that that sounds like it's also kind of life giving to you. Is that right? Yes. Well, that's and that's the thing is, um, you know, I I think ever uh, there's sort of this idea that sort of priests just maybe do this one set of things. Yeah. And what's interesting is within the priesthood there are dozens and dozens and dozens of needed ministries. And every guy uh, has a talent, I think, and is really good at something. You know, uh, Father Scott Murphy, who's over at uh, St. St. Edward's now, he, I think, speaks 40 or 50 languages or whatever, I don't know, but he's very good. 
uh, in Spanish and Italian. He he's dedicated to that uh, kind of ministry, and so he's able to bring a life to a community that somebody with broken Spanish like me may not be able to. Um, but for me, uh, the high school ministry and then another piece, which is hospital ministry, really just are life giving. They don't. Uh, it's never a burden for me to get a call from them and to run out the door. Okay. Um, Let me, uh, after going through the years of formation, discernment, then vocation work, seminary, those things, tell me about them. Is it what you expected? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, yes, in the sense that um, I, I had a taste of the ministry, and I had an idea okay. of what it would mean to serve. I had no clue of the weight and the responsibility and the joy that I would get out of doing it. Um, and it's a surprise. And frankly, it's a surprise every day. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like I, I did hospital ministry um, during seminary, okay. um, came to really enjoy it, love it. I was on call, you know, I'd go. But <clears throat> only as a priest do I get called to do the last rites, to do those situations where I am, I am really running to get there before a person moves from this life to the next. And I had one of those situations this week, and, um, you know, I got there, they're in the hospital room, they take me back to the emergency room, you know, and one of the things that guys don't realize is uh, when you would normally anoint somebody on the forehead, you can't when they're on top of somebody. Um, and a priest I had in training uh, had said, can you get to the foot? And I know it sounds kind of weird, but I can because there's, they're never messing with the feet. And so I get rushed into this emergency room. I kneel down and take the oils out. I anoint her on the foot. I do the prayers um, while she takes her last breaths. It was one of the most profound, beautiful, sad mix of things. And I wouldn't have been anywhere else. Like I, it was, it was a supreme honor for me to be able to feel like I was asked to be there in that moment and to be able to accompany her um, over that that piece. And that's something you don't expect in yeah. seminary. Like you don't have any clue of the weight of that. The, the, the only word that does come to mind for me is profound. Mm -hmm. it, um, some of the doctrines <clears throat> of the church talk about greatest joys and deepest sorrows, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what that's referring it to. It is, <clears throat> and really we get, um, as a priest, <clears throat> you know, people think, oh, you live by yourself, or, you know, uh, celibacy, the way I've always looked at I'm sorry, I might be preempting one of your Go questions. Go ahead, oh, gonna, you're doing great. <clears throat> I'm going to, sorry, I got a little thing going on today, but um, celibacy gets looked at as this negative thing, <laughs> like I'm going to give up <clears throat> a wife and children. Um, and sometimes when I'm at Mass and, and everybody's uh, having trouble, I say, eh, see, celibacy looks pretty good now, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't like to look at it that way. Because if it's only a negative, guys will not be interested in it. Like, it, it, has no, it needs to be seen for the positive value. I think John Paul II was um, insistent on like, restoring this idea of a positive value of celibacy and the gift of it is to the Church. And there's a dozen different ways you can look at it, and I'm not saying mine's the right one, but... Uh, the way I look at it is about radical availability. And I don't mean that, that I'm just there, you can call me. Like, yes, obviously. But so, so you can do that, you know, Protestant ministers who are married can be called to at home. That's not the big thing. 
<clears throat> what I mean by radical availability is when I walk into a hospital room, my crinkled black shirt and my little, you know, plastic tab, that person knows that in that moment, there is nobody else in my world but them. There's nobody at home that I have to make sure I'm attending to. There's nobody. Um, I don't have to pick up the kids. I don't have to do anything in, in that, like that. But that moment, every time, I belong to them. That focus. Yes. Yeah. And I will be with them. Yeah. Totally. Okay. And that's a, it's, a, it's a special gift. And, and for me right now in my life, that's the way I sort of view the, the goodness of my promise of celibacy is that it allows me to do that. And it allows me in many ways to move between families and, and to have families across the board, you know, um, whether it's my, my best friends uh, who's, uh, who have kids that I'm Uncle Dustin to them, yeah. not Father Dustin, I'm Uncle Dustin, and, you know, we vacation together, or families in the church that I just, uh, you know, I go for dinner and I, I see them. I had one yesterday. A uh, dear friend of mine, her boys uh, are at uh, Immaculata. She called and said, Would, you know, we've had a flag football game. The whole family's out. Uh, come on out. So I came out and watched a, a game with him. It was wonderful. You know, you're, uh, <clears throat> you, you've hit on the Eucharist celebrations, high school chaplaincy. Uh, you've hit on hospital ministry, profound experiences. You know, lots of priests talk about how to, how to uh, there's all that. You said it's busy. It's more than busy. It's, it's, um, but what, um, how do you balance life? Do you have any hobbies? Do you have a, something to do in your spare time? I do. Um, I don't. Ha- I know you don't have a lot of spare time, but no, do do? I think that's important. So um, <clears throat> I've had to learn to say no. That's the that's the hardest part about being a new priest is you are especially when it's just me uh, and there's not. Uh, so we got you know that class we've got coming up has five in it, which is really exciting. Yeah. But it's just me, and so um, I get all the first calls, <laughs> and <clears throat> I really want to do a lot of stuff. But after the first three weeks, when I collapsed one evening in my room, uh, um, right before my day off, it was like, hey, I laid down on the couch and I woke up at noon the next day. I thought, maybe I got too much on my plate. <laughs> so um, unfortunately, I had to start saying no. I had to make two rules. One, I have to be really protective of, of my one day off yep. to make sure that I take time for, for me to rest and recover. Smart. Um, I have to... I have to pray. I have to have the sort of watering of, of a life of prayer. I, I'm busy, so I have to fit it in, but I, that means I have to make time for it. I have to actually build in the 15 minutes in the morning, 20 in the evening to do what I need to do so that I get that sort of spiritual strength. But the other thing is uh, having things that I find enjoyable. <clears throat> so um, my my best friends and their, their boys – I mean, I, my best friend I met at DeSales um, in 2004, however many decades ago that was, 20, I think, uh, 20 years uh, uh, somewhere. No, 18 years ago. And uh, I had two best friends, really, um, Aaron and John. And uh, Aaron's married, has got two boys, and we, um, we do stuff together. And so a lot of times when I'm off or when I have an evening free, I'll pop over you know, we eat around the dinner table, and uh, then we play. Uh, once the boys go to bed, we we play board games. Or uh-huh. last week, we took them to Boo at the Zoo. Uh-huh. Like so, that brings me a lot of joy, and um, I'm able just to be uncle. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'm coming from work, so I'm like this. But some most nights when I do that with them, I'm able just to throw on a, my polo shirt, and I can just be uncle at that point. Yeah. Not that I'm not available, Archbishop. I'm always available. I just assume he's lost listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, it's a way for me to sort of decompress. I read a lot. I love 
I love books. I love shopping. I probably love shopping for books even more than reading books. Uh, um, but if you're ever at the Barnes and Noble in Hurstbourne, just I find you in the bookstore. You will probably find me in there. Um, I uh, yeah. So there's a lot of ways I, I like to go to um, keeping friendships, reading, <coughs> uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah, exercise too. Yes, I walk. I uh, I've uh, I've had a lovely weight loss journey the last uh, the last year and a half or so. It's been great. I'm down about 200 pounds. So uh, eating better, uh, walk, get lots of exercise, uh, which for me was not just important for my own health, but it was kind of kind of a spiritual piece in the sense that if the church <clears throat> is investing in me, both time and money, and if they're going to ordain me to serve, I probably should take care of myself so that I can serve for a while. Uh, so um, I do that. Um, I do play video games occasionally. Uh, I like to play this one where you conquer the world, which don't read anything into that. Uh, but uh, uh, so I do, I do lots of stuff. Um, and then I also this is the this is the one out of left field. That I, you know, I I like to just drive. I will hop in the car. Not so much when gas was five dollars a gallon, but uh, I will hop in the car and drive somewhere and try to get lost. Essentially, I throw an audiobook on. I, I go down to the country. Um, my family has a place in Hardin County. I drive down there and I'll get lost on the back roads, just enjoy, having a nice afternoon out, just looking at stuff and enjoying the enjoying the weather, nature. Yeah, uh, what you've given us great insights here into priesthood, but also to yourself. I, I'm really grateful. Before our time's up, I want to ask a couple of questions about uh, November is is vocation awareness. Yeah. Um, so, what do you say to young men about priesthood <clears throat> and why they should consider it? I know, I know you've talked already a little yeah. bit about not everybody's called to it, but what do you say to ones who might be wondering about it? I'd say give it a shot. See, I think, I think young, guys, um, young guys think if they go to seminary, then they've signed on the, body, dot, body, little, the dotted line. Okay. And I think seminary is the place where you figure it out. If you go to seminary for a year, two years, and you decide it's your vocation and you keep going, that's awesome. It's obviously the ideal for me because there's not enough of us. But let's say a guy goes for two years. The worst he gets is a good education, a degree, a formation in prayer, formation in being a human being, and learning how to be a good dad, hopefully. That's the worst outcome. Like, so if you feel like you have a call, um, give it a shot. I mean, that, that's, all, that's all I can say. There's, I mean, it really is at the, at the bottom, that's it. Like, you're young, it's time to figure things out. and. It's one of the reasons, like, when I was trying to figure out if I was called to be a religious, I'm glad I went. Like, I don't have any regrets about the year and a half I spent as a Carmelite. I learned how to pray better than I ever had before in that moment. It wasn't ultimately my vocation, uh, but, um, but it was something that God was calling me to do at that point before he prepared this next piece for me. Yeah. And I think guys coming to seminary, will, giving it a shot, will... will have the opportunity to unfold what is God really asking me to do and am I willing to to embrace this wonderful life and it is a wonderful life that is that is really great practical advice um, you know I, I want to encourage all of our viewers those who are watching us and those who are listening to us and all the different forms out there to to think about how they can support vocations and um, and we ask you to pray for our priests so if you could ask the Catholic people for one thing, I told you mine, what would you ask of them? I, I want you to encourage um, young men to think about it. I want you to, I want you to, 
if you see a guy at at mass who's praying what you think oh i'm impressed by how he's praying or something go up to him tell him encourage him if you see another guy and you say oh that guy he's great with people i think he'd be a good priest go tell him like those kinds of of encounters are important but the biggest thing i can ask is from parents because whether their vocation is to the priesthood uh, to religious life as a brother or sister to fatherhood or motherhood the home that you make what you do there is really where they draw the faith from. I can do a lot at Mass, and I can do a lot in the classroom, but I can't substitute for parents who are the first teachers of the faith. Pray at home. Talk about faith at home. Encourage your kids that no matter what their vocation is, you want them to be good and faithful Christians, good Catholics. Tell them why we go to Mass. Tell them what's important. Talk to them, because if it's not, if they're not getting it at home, sadly, the other pieces a lot of times are going in and out. They're getting it piecemeal. Parents have the greatest capacity for handing on the faith, um, better than even me. And so I would ask them to do that. Thank you for the really important message. If you don't mind my saying it, you're inspirational. Thank you. Oh, really, man. this has been great. I, I, I have to tell you that, that I know you are the only one ordained for the Archdiocese this year, but, but what a great gift you've already been. And I want to thank you well, on behalf of this local church for, for your saying yes, for your commitment, but also for how much you've impacted and done so much in the first six months. Well, I'm really impressed. It's a gift for me. I, I, I really, it's a gift for me. I, I don't, um, I can't. I can't express how grateful I am for the gift of priesthood, um, for the confidence of the archdiocese in me, and uh, I just hope to make I hope to make them proud. Well, we already are. Thank you, and thank you to our listeners for uh, listening in on this edition of what's new in Archelieu, and and pray for your priest, pray for Father Dustin. What a great gift we have in him, and thank you for joining us. And join us again next month. We'll have another new show for you.